Welcome to today's episode of the Bowtie Guy podcast. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Carol Ann Tomlinson and her idea of the five key elements of differentiation. Differentiation is such a buzzword, even today. But see, can I tell you a little secret about education? Even the good teachers, we're talking hundreds, even thousands of years, caveman, pointing, look, when they understood their audience, they understood the audience in which they were trying to teach the author's purpose. Look, that's good differentiation. So we're gonna be looking at five key elements of differentiation. Here's the first thing you need to take a little goose and gander at, an invitational learning environment. Can I tell you something? When I, you've walked into classrooms before where it doesn't exactly feel like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It more or less feels like the county morgue. And what I'm saying is there's, there's more stuff happening in the grass outside than there is in that classroom. And that's a problem. Is it, is it a fertile environment? And I, and I always love going back to plants, but is it a fertile environment where you can expect that the students are going to get the strategical vitamins and minerals that they need to be successful? You need to understand that all kinds of students, they come to class each day with the belief that they will be connected, valued, challenged, supported, and, well, given the opportunity, the platform, the medium, the conduit, to be contributing members of the classroom community, classroom culture, classroom system. Why does this matter? Why does having an invitational learning environment matter? Here's what you need to understand. The students learn more eagerly, readily. They're, 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 they're woke, if you will. And I, I know typically we all have a, a 21st century definition of woke, but look, they're willing and ready. They're able and successful when the learning environment feels positive to them and when they feel that the teacher believes in their capacity to succeed. I'm just going to be honest with you, on a, on a previous episode of the Bowtie Guy podcast, I, I referenced uh, the research uh, of, of Dr. Robert Marzano and, and other educational gurus in the field of educational research for student achievement. Here's one thing I understood. A big factor in student achievement in the effect size in the expected outcome of a student when they're in the midst of this particular uh, principle of learning environment when their teacher believes in them when they know that their teacher is their advocate that is really looking out for the best interest when the student honest to god feels that way sky's the limit baby and you see we say the sky's the limit you look up there if it's nighttime, it's a black sky. If it's daytime, you know, blue sky. But look, how do we know that one day we may land on a planet, Mars, that is only like a red little blip in the sky if you're really paying close attention? That little thing that you can cover up in the sky, in the night sky with your thumb, the moon. Look, NASA, or so they love to believe, they, they put people on that moon. And you know what? It's because people believed in them. <laughs> Seriously, imagine if... Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin, they couldn't land on the moon, and they didn't have 100% confidence that they'll actually do it. Yeah, I'd be terrified if I were them, you know, wouldn't you? Next, so number one is gonna be the invitational learning environment. Number two is gonna be a high quality, focused, and meaning-rich curriculum. Here's what you need to understand. Effective curriculum is meaning-rich, with clear learning objectives, learning targets, learning outcomes that are known universally to teachers and students. It's engaging to students. There's an amazement 
and engagement. It focuses them on understanding what it is precisely in a bite-sized formula, what it is they're learning. They can articulate that upon an evaluator's uh, surveying of the classroom. You know what, it makes better sense to differentiate curriculum that is powerful and energizing to students than to differentiate curriculum that is boring. Because we've learned in our pursuit of educational excellence through research-based instructional strategies that when a student is bored, you better say good night and good luck to their student achievement because they're nothing that, that drops like a heat-seeking missile like a kid is bored in class. You need to seek them out and destroy what they're learning. Make it pop, 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 pop in like fireworks on the 4th of July. You need to make it exciting, bright like lightning. Do anything you can to give them a opportunity to connect, a sense of connection. Now, you know what? A curriculum that is flat and low in relevance, that is ambiguous and confusing, like I said, the, 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 the deuces to that student achievement. You'll find it in the nearest toilet. <laughs> so let's go on to number three. So what's that third key element of differentiation according to Carol Ann Tomlinson? Look, we, did, we went on this big initiative in my county many years ago where we took a pause, a break, a, uh, a siesta if you will, from our understanding of assessment. And I'm talking assessment in the sense of what it, like testing, what, it, why, what do we assess? Why do we assess it? When, how often uh, do we assess? Here's what you need to understand. There's a wide variety of assessments, but two in particular that you need to be cognizant of. The first thing you need to understand is that just about everything we do in life is formative. And the fact that everything, every situation, every failure, every triumph, tragedy is a, is a lesson. It, it, there's something to be learned. There's something, uh, there's an expectation that you'll grow. So say you made a mistake, possibly, you know, immediately you're going to face the consequence of that mistake. But I guarantee you the lesson in that, uh, I guess the, the sweetness of that bitter fruit, <laughs> if, if you will, is that you're probably not going to make that mistake in the future. Now, formative assessments, you look, we need to be teachers like God. And what I'm saying is God's not a God of Oh, oh, just a second chance. No, he's a god of another chance. And you know what? You need to be a teacher with endless supplies, bountiful supplies in that custodial closet of chances, of opportunities, of new graces, new mercies every day. You need to be a conduit of change, walking, talking, advertising for education. You ought to be a professional cheek turner, if you know what I'm saying. But cheek turner, and what I'm saying is people slap you every which way. Because, you know, there are people that are just disrespectful of you. And, you know, you know, you got to learn to like the taste of a smack. And so most of the time, I'd like to be of the belief that teachers really do care. I mean, parents really do care about the children of which they're raising. And if they give you critical or, or uh, what you may consider constructive feedback, take it. You know, look, you can chew on a little bit. And if it's too, if it's too sour for you, spit it out. But look, it's an opportunity to grow. So with assessment, teachers regularly use pre-assessment and ongoing formative assessments like we talked about to understand each student's status with learning targets. Those current learning targets that should be posted somewhere in the classroom. You gotta understand when it comes to the sense of formativeness in a classroom that you know, you need to give them opportunities to succeed, opportunities to fail. 
imagine taking your uh, your criterion referenced competency test or your uh, your big norm reference competency test or your big cumulative at the end of the year whatever state you're repping that assessment imagine if you give it every time you give an assessment it would lose its it lose its luster right see that that cumulative assessment that year-end assessment that has become so traditionally accepted and universally acclaimed throughout education you know, it, it's kind of like the World Series at the end of the year. You work all year long to get to that point. So the greatest compliment that a kid can ever give you is, thank you, that was easy. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? So in the in the other sense, you have formative assessments, which is chance, chance. It's anecdotal records, simply a check or a minus. It's something where you're keeping a record, a cumulative record, an ongoing formative record of what a child's doing in their classroom in your classroom. Next, you have summative assessments. Summative assessments, too late. <laughs> That's that end of the year test. You can't do anything after it. Once you score what you score, it's more or less evaluative. It just prescribes what perhaps maybe the next instructional steps need to be. All right, you need to understand that teachers regularly use those pre-assessment strategies, those ongoing formative instructional practices and assessments to understand each student's status with current learning targets. They use that understanding to plan for differentiation, for their readiness, for the ability, uh, the, 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 multi, the mixed ability of, that, of the diverse classrooms in which we teach, okay? They also invite students into the assessment conversation. You know assessment comes from a Greek word, and I can even give you the uh, specifics now, but effectively the word assessment traditionally in the Greek sense means to sit beside. So that's what assessment is. To grow with. Next, I mean, isn't that such an uh, inviting uh, apparatus right there? Just to sit beside, to grow beside. Assessment shouldn't be thrown to the wolves. <laughs> hey, here's your, you know, I'm gonna push you out on a boat and I'm gonna take your, your paddles. I mean, you're stuck there. No, that's not the point of it. The point, more or less, the, the way I look at cumulative reviews or summative, like too late, it's really prescriptive instructionally gives you a diagnosis of what needs to happen next and it will help you identify potential tiered students in the RTI network that you have in your system next teaching with a clear sense of learner status you need to understand in terms of Piaget the level of thinkers the level of cognitive abilities within your classroom you know typically in my classroom I would spend the first many days even weeks giving them survey this I wanted to know anything I could and in part two of this episode about...